Hey Life Ken, Roger here, Director of Student and Young Adult Ministries. So glad you are with us today. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a brand new listener, welcome. Uh, be sure to follow us, like, subscribe, all that to get uh, all our content we put out, whether that's sermons or other cool things uh, via our podcast. But either way, if you want to participate in what God is doing, and we've been talking so much about that as we've gone through our 10-year vision series and, and what we see God doing and how we're going to be obedient to what he is calling us to do now and in the future. Uh, if you want to participate in that, one of the ways you can do that is by giving uh, financially to support the activity of God through his people in this church, in this community. Uh, so head over to our lifechurchcanton.org forward slash give page to do that. But uh, you're about to hear a message from Pastor Jared as he wraps up our 10-year vision series. Uh, he's going to do a lot of talking about what it looks like to be an active torchbearer and some of the things we are putting in place and have put in place to help members of this community uh, be a torchbearer. He's going to have a really cool interview. Uh, I think you're going to love a lot of what is said. So uh, go ahead and give that a listen and I'll catch up with you in a minute. Welcome everybody to Life Canton. My name is Jared and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you are just joining us online, we're glad you're here. If you're just joining us later on the podcast, you'll see this or hear this later online. I just want to acknowledge something that has happened in this room specifically, uh, just the move of God in worship. And I hope you experience that if you're newer here and you're like, I'm not quite sure what to feel or to think. That's okay. That's all part of the process. That's normal. But I want to say this. I want to encourage you. If you normally watch online, you listen online, you are listening on the podcast, and you haven't had an opportunity to come and to be in person, there's something palpable um, about the energy and the movement of God's uh, time with us as we worship him. So I want to invite you to come and be with us in person as we continue to worship. Uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Jared, and I'm one of the pastors, and I'm excited to be with you as we finish out this series, which is focused on really our beginning of the next 10 years. It's our 10-year vision, and this is what we've been saying this whole time throughout this series. Uh, we, we've had a lot of statements, really, but we've narrowed it down to just a, a one sentence or a compound sentence, if you will, for those of you who are learning about that in school right now. I've, my kids are learning compound sentences, so I'm going to use that phrase right now. This is our sentence. This is what we want for you, from you, uh, with you. We want you, we want us to reclaim our identity in Jesus so that we can bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. There's a lot packed into that. And I don't know if you were here last week or not, but it was good, it was profound, it was heavy. And we had a, a little living room set up here where we talked about bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love. But before we could get into solutions, we kind of talked about, hey, where are we now? What's the need right now? And so we talked about kind of the, the opposite of justice and love. We talked about the reality of the injustice and the hate and the hurt that is going on in our communities, but also throughout the world as we have seen, as you paid attention to the news, certainly in Ukraine with what's happening in Russia. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of injustice. And I don't know about you, but I was feeling the weight. I was feeling like, okay, I want to do something. I want to, I want to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. How do I go about doing that? Maybe some of you are, are questioning, okay, what's my next step? How do I do that? Maybe some of you are like, okay, I, I'm just not sure about that. I'm a little apprehensive, uh, apprehensive or, or hesitant because I don't know if I'm ready. Like, I don't know if I've got what it takes. I don't know if I'm enough to be able to do all of that. 
Maybe you feel like, well, that's just, those are just for the special jobs, the special people, like to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. That feels heavy. That's just for the spiritually elite. That's for the pastors. That's for the staff. Let them do that. Maybe some of you even are thinking, you know what, uh, that all sounds great. Y'all let me know when you're done with that, <laughs> and I'll come and join in. But this is for all of us. This is for all of us. So what do you do? If you, if you feel like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I'm enough. How do we participate in the vision? What if we're not spiritually elite? I want to tell a quick story, and then we're going to go into a story in Mark. But uh, a couple weeks ago, we were, uh, my family and I, we watched movies on Friday nights. Friday nights are our movie night, and we were looking for movies. We had uh, the Olympics going on, so we had the Olympics on the brain. So I thought, let's find an Olympic-themed movie. So we went to the Academy Award-winning, just kidding, it's not, Cool Runnings, um, and uh, watched about the story. Back at, that movie came out in 93, the Jamaican bobsled team. It's the story of a tropical island team doing a winter sport, right, in Calgary in 1988, and they make it to the Olympics. And then, of course, they were there again this year, actually, in Beijing. But they make it to the Olympics, and the story goes that they, they kind of struggle to prove that they're ready, to prove that they're enough, to prove that they can be on a world stage, and they get there, but they're struggling a little bit. But this one main character, his name's Doris. He is really trying to motivate his team, and he's trying to just to do everything he can to win. He wants to win gold. He's there for, to take the whole thing home. And so he is constantly trying to figure out how to do that best, and he's paying attention to this other team. He's paying attention to the Swiss, the Swiss bobsled team, because they're the elite. They've got what it takes. They've got it figured out. They're the ones that everybody else aspires to be. And so he's watching them intently, and he even watches as they push off their sled, and they do that thing. They count off in German, eins, zwei, drei, and they take off, right? And so he, he takes on their phrase for his Jamaican team, and they do that kickoff. And you, it, it's kind of a funny scene. You've got these four Jamaican men saying, eins, zwei, drei. You know, it just seems a little paradoxical, right? Uh, but along the way, he's, you know, he's so obsessed with winning. He's so obsessed with getting gold. But eventually, the night before their final race, he's talking with his coach. And he's thinking about this idea. I just, I got to win. I got to win gold. And the coach says to him, it's this kind of iconic line. He says, Doris, winning a gold medal, is a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without one, you're not going to be enough with one. And Doris says, well, how will I know when I'm enough? He says, when you cross that finish line tomorrow, you'll know. And so the next day, he's got a new perspective. He arrives with a, a new found idea about what this looks like. And instead of aspiring to be the elite, like the Swiss, he takes on his Jamaican identity, if you will. And along with the rest of the team, and they change up their little saying as they push off the sled, and instead of saying, Eins, zwei, drei, now they say this iconic line again, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, it's bobsled time. Sorry if you're Jamaican, I just murdered your accent. They, in a sense, reclaim their identity as Jamaicans. And, and they get off, and, and it's good, and, and they, they go down the track, and everything is going great but they don't win. They don't win the competition. In fact, they almost don't even get to the finish line because what happens is there's a bit of a mistake along the way. They don't realize there's a bolt that's loose in their sled and they tip over and they stop completely on the track. And you think it's all over, but they're all okay and they get out and they lift up 
the sled and they walk it across the finish line. And you can imagine Doris has that line from his coach in his head. When you cross that finish line, you'll know. You'll know if you're enough. I love that story. As I was watching it and I was thinking about our vision, it was such a, a great picture, a great story about identity, about reclaiming your identity. They reclaim their identity as Jamaicans. And they don't win the race, but their story has an impact. And it rings out throughout the world. For us, as we begin to think about this idea of participating in a vision, to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love as we have reclaimed or are reclaiming our identity in Jesus. And we're asking ourselves this question, am I ready? Am I enough? I'm going to give you this line and kind of steal from Cool Runnings a little bit. But I had this thought that readiness is more about rhythm than it is resolution. Let me say that again. Readiness is more about rhythm than resolution. What do I mean by that? See, I think sometimes we get this idea stuck in our heads that, well, I'm not ready to participate in this because I haven't arrived yet. I'm not elite yet. I don't have it all figured out yet, so therefore I'm not ready. And we think that our readiness means we're, we're ready to finish. We're ready to resolve this, to, to find some kind of resolution. Where we think about this 10-year vision that we have to check off a box, that we have to finish something or even win some kind of competition. But readiness is more about rhythm. It is more about identifying or establishing a new way of being. It's a lifestyle. Bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love is not a one-time, one-time activity. It is a rhythm. It's a way of being. It is a lifestyle that we take on. The disciples had this same challenge ahead of them as Jesus was with them. I want to show you this story in Mark chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you can join me there, or if you want to join on your phones, you can do that. If you don't have a Bible or you're completely new to church, completely new to the Bible, that's okay. We have the words on the screens. And I want to say this too. If you don't have a Bible, you don't own one, and you would like one, let us know, and we will be happy to provide you with one. But I'm in Mark chapter 6, starting in the second part of verse 6 and going on into verse 11. It says this, And Jesus, he went from village to village teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together, and he began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, thanks Jesus, but not to take a change of clothes. He said, wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or to listen to you, just shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. Okay, so Jesus is basically sending his 12 disciples out on a a youth mission trip without a chaperone. I, I don't know if you know this, but students in the room, you're probably the same age as most of these disciples. This is a youth group going out on a mission trip without a leader. Jesus doesn't go with them. And he goes, or he tells them, he says, go and, you know, tell people uh, to repent of their sins, tell people that they can be healed, cast demons. I mean, this is like big stuff. This isn't just, you know, go and sweep a garage out. This is, this is ministry. This is going and, and bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love. And here's the thing. 
All he's done so far, we're only in Mark chapter 6. We haven't gotten to like the main part of Christianity yet. Right? Like the, the, the dying on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, the raising from the dead, the resurrection to talk about uh, eternal life. None of that has happened yet. All that's happened is Jesus has taught them a little bit about some spiritual disciplines. He's told them some stories called parables about the kingdom of God. He's healed some people along the way, but that's it. That's all they're going on. And I don't know about you, but if I'm one of the disciples, I'm thinking, I'm not ready, Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to go do. What do you want me to do? Let's see, see how they respond. Verse 12. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and to turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So they go. Clearly, they seem ready to go even without Jesus going with them on this little mission trip of theirs. They go, and they first, uh, we, we hear that they tell people to repent of their sins. Now, if you're sort of on the, on the fence about church, maybe it's because you've interacted with somebody who came up to you and said, hey, you're a sinner, repent of your sins, and that's caused you to feel a certain kind of way about church or about Christians. Uh, what I want us to understand here is that there's some, there's some important meaning to what that means, that they told people to repent of their sins. Yes, there is a, an element of truth-telling, a, a, a truth-telling in the sense that, yes, we're, we're all broken. We all have sin. There's, there's fracture in our lives, and it causes this distance between us and God. So, yes, to repent of that and to turn to God, but also it's much more holistic than just say sorry for bad behavior, right? Repentance is literally, it means to, to turn, to turn around, so yes, to turn from a particular behavior or lifestyle, yes, but also to turn away from a particular mindset about God and about the world and to turn toward a God who is loving, who is filled with grace and mercy, but also a God who has a holistic picture about the kingdom of God. Might they have taken opportunities to also talk about the kingdom of God? And what I mean by that is anytime Jesus shows up on the scene, he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So repentance is usually always, almost always connected to this idea of the kingdom of God. And every time he talks about the kingdom of God, he's usually telling a parable, a story. So is it possible that they weren't just truth-telling, but also storytelling? This event takes place immediately after Jesus had just told them a whole bunch of parables about the kingdom of God. The reality is, is to be a torchbearer, to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. Yes, we are truth tellers, but we're also storytellers. We have a compelling story to tell. But then it doesn't stop there. Verse 13, they cast out demons. They healed people and anointed them with oil. That's a big deal. How in the world could they do that? Well, if you read back to verse 7, it says Jesus gave them this authority to do that. But Why? Why is healing so important? Why is casting out demons so important? Well, to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love, we can think about it this way. Sickness is an injustice to the body. And so what they're doing is sort of, as they heal, they're, they're, they're foretelling of this glimpse of what God's restoration plan is for all of creation, that one day there will be no more death 
or sorrow or war or pain or injustice or racism or greed or power abuse. He's given them a glimpse of that, and he's asking his disciples to also participate in that as well. So bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love involves truth-telling and storytelling and foretelling, which involves healing. Seems like they had a pretty successful mission trip, right? Like, this seems like a winner. It seems like they've got it figured out, that they absolutely were enough, that they were absolutely ready Or were they? If readiness is more about rhythm than resolution, than just completing a task, do they have it figured out? Let's see what happens when they come back. We go a few verses later. We're going to go into verse 30, still in chapter 6. It says this, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. It was good. It was a celebration. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because, There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat, so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Okay, so so they come back. It feels like a success. They're ready to tell Jesus a whole bunch of stories. You can imagine there's lots of energy and momentum. I'd be like, Jesus, you you got to hear what happened. This was incredible. This was an amazing trip, and you weren't even there to see it. This is great. You'd think there'd be a big party, but Jesus says, no, 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 okay. Now, now we're going to go and we're going to rest a bit. We're going to recharge. We're going to renew. It's interesting, isn't it? It's almost as if this rhythm that Jesus is inviting them into is not just about activity and doing great and beautiful grand things, but also about kind of abiding in Christ. Resting, Sabbath, renewal with Jesus in intimate places. Why is that? Well, if I'm one of these disciples, and I go on this trip, and Jesus isn't even with me physically, and I'm telling people about the kingdom of God, and I'm healing people and casting out demons, I'm walking away feeling pretty good about myself, right? Like there's a new swagger. I've got, I, I've got, some, got some confidence. Yeah, I did that. Okay, all right. I think I've got this thing figured out. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And they come back, and they go into a quiet, intimate place. Jesus, is it possible that part of rhythm involves keeping our egos in check and realizing that, yes, we participated in bearing a torch of Christ's justice and love, but here's the reality is God is the one that's doing the work. Remember, he's the one that gave them the authority to do what they were called to do. Okay, so... There's ministry activity, but then there's also rest and renewal. Let's see if they still got this whole rhythm thing figured out. Let's see what happens next. Verse 33, but many people recognize them, Jesus and his disciples. They've, they've kind of made a name for themselves. This word has gotten around a bit and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Okay, so what's this about? Well, like I said, word had kind of spread that these guys were kind of a big deal. They did some amazing things. 
Jesus, uh, the word about Jesus has certainly spread as well, and they see the disciples and Jesus, they're connected, so everybody wants to kind of figure out, okay, well, what's this little youth group all about? Uh, they're doing some incredible things. I want to be connected to them. And in fact, we hear it later that it's close to 5,000 plus people that want to be around them. They got a mega church in a day. All these people are following them. But the disciples say to Jesus, hey, um, they're probably getting hungry. We should, we should send them away to get some food, which sounds empathetic, right? It, it sounds like they're being caring about all of these people to, to recognize that all of these people have a need. They, they're hungry, and it's getting late, and they're getting tired. And if they have kids, and there's no kids program, uh, then, you know, they're definitely getting frustrated and anxious and ready to go. It sounds like the disciples are being empathetic. On one hand, yes. But on the other hand, these people are hungry and they can be fed and they don't want to be the ones to do it. They turn to Jesus this time and say, fix it, Jesus. Send them away. You do it. You take care of this. I want you to see what happens next. How does Jesus respond? Verse 37. But Jesus said, three words, you feed them. You do it. You feed them. What? <laughs> if I'm a disciple, I'm like, it's like there's over 5,000 people here, Jesus. That, what are you, insane? I can't do this. What do you mean you feed them? That's a joke. Jesus says, you feed them. If I could, like, crawl into the head of Jesus, the mindset of Jesus in this moment, like, what is being communicated with just these three words? You feed them. Why would he even have the audacity to say something like that? Why would he call them to do something which seems virtually impossible? Here's the thing. I wonder if Jesus is thinking, what, are you not ready? You're not ready? Like, I literally just sent you on a mission trip and I didn't even go with you. I gave you authority to cast out demons, to do storytelling, truth-telling, foretelling. You healed people. You did incredible things with my authority. And now you're coming back, and you just want me to do it? You just want me to take care of the problem? You don't want to participate in the task? What, what happened? Are you not ready? Don't you feel like you have enough of what you need to carry out this task? Do you think that that was just a one-time activity that, that my authority that I have given you doesn't extend into any and every situation where there's a need, where there's an injustice, where there's a hurt? You feed them. You do it. Jesus calls them not to just a one-time activity, but to a lifestyle a rhythm of bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love. And they have the authority to do it. You ever have this in maybe a classroom setting or at your place of work where you're given a task maybe by a supervisor or a boss? 
You're given a responsibility to do, but you're not sure you have the authority to carry it out. Like you still have to get them to sign off on something or you have to talk to somebody else to approve it. So you don't actually have the authority to carry out that responsibility and it makes it really difficult to do the thing if you don't have the appropriate amount of authority to go along with the responsibility. This is just the opposite of that. These disciples have all of the authority from Christ, but they're not ready to take on the responsibility to carry out what Jesus has called them to do. There is no limit to what these disciples can do. They just don't know it yet. But Jesus gives them the authority and the responsibility and the ability to be able to do this. And now he's looking to us. And he's saying, you feed them. As we talked about last week, and all of the need that's in our community and beyond, it can seem a little overwhelming. It can seem daunting. It can seem impossible. But there is a hunger for justice and love in our community. And Jesus is looking to us and saying, you feed them. You feed them. So what do we do with this? All throughout this series, we have been saying this vision isn't just for us, for the pastors, the staff, the spiritually elite. This is for all of you. Are you ready? Are you enough? Jesus would say, absolutely. Are you ready to establish a rhythm to participate in this vision, to be a torchbearer, to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love? Here's the thing. We've said this is for all of you. Well, guess what? There's one of you that is already beginning to live into this vision, to participate in this vision. And so what I want to do is I want to introduce to you one of you. Her name is Laura Archbold. Would you welcome her up as she comes up to share a little bit more of her story? Hi, Laura. Hello. Everybody say hi, Laura. Hi, everyone. Okay, so they're all with you. That means that they're ready to bear the torch of Christ just by saying that. We don't even have to finish. Then we're done? Okay, yeah, I think so. (laughs) No, we're not. Uh, You heard the initial vision. Back in November, we had a town hall meeting for our partners right here in this room. For anybody who's dedicated to being a partner, to living into the six commitments that are connected to all of our codes that are on the wall over there. And so we shared that initial draft with everybody, and you saw it, you heard it. What were some of your initial thoughts when we first talked about it? Wow, I had a lot. Uh, First was gratitude. It was clear to me that the leadership team spent a lot of time in prayer and conversation putting together a vision that is so beautifully crafted. Um, I was excited because I think organizations um, and the people in them need to know what their purpose is and the direction they're headed. And it's clear to reclaim our identity and to bear the torch. Um, I think, you know, there's this old saying that if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Um, It's actually from Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) 
you know, I think it's the white rabbit running around. But we can do a lot of good things and not make significant transformational change if we're not moving together. Um, I'm a simple person. I like things simple. I thought it was um, beautifully crafted and in some ways for me not as clear Mm -hmm. as um, my simple brain wanted. Uh, Like, okay, I don't know what a torchbearer is. I don't know what the work is that they're supposed to do. And for me, I couldn't see how anyone that comes to this church, whether they're a new attender, a regular attender, um, a partner, a life journey graduate, I didn't see how they played their part in the vision. And that was something that weighed on my mind. Yeah, so you... You liked it, but you also realized, okay, I still got some questions. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's even some gaps for you personally, but yep. I, if I'm feeling this way, maybe others are feeling this way. Yeah. Um, but you decided to not just sit with your questions and to sit with your unease. But <laughs> that's to, not me. <laughs> that's not you. Uh, but to do something about it. Yeah. And so simultaneously, what was happening was an opportunity for you to kind of develop that. Um, as part of the life journey, we were piloting a new course called Equip. Tell me mm-hmm. what is Equip. So Equip is a course that's intended for partners who have completed the life journey, and the goal is to help us learn how to become torchbearers. And the, the whole thrust of the course is about learning about the five-fold ministry that Paul describes in Ephesians 4.11. Yes. Yes, and can you he. Name those for me? I can, this and he, we had to memorize it for <laughs> class. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. That's all of us um, for the uh, for building the mini- No, I say for the ministry of the church and for building up the body of Christ, which is us. Yeah, that's awesome. And in this class, we learned about the fivefold characteristics of God, the fivefold mission of Jesus, the fivefold ministry of the church, and then we also learned our own fivefold gifts. And my primary gift is that of an apostle, and my secondary gift is that of an evangelist. Okay. So you learned a little bit more about yourself, about the church, mm-hmm. about your role in it. Um, but then in Equip, you do what's called a ministry action plan. Mm-hmm. We call them MAPs, just for short. Yep. Can you tell me a little bit more about a MAP? Yeah, so MAP. So as we're going through the class and learning more, we're asked to weigh what's on our heart, what's a challenge that we're facing, and begin to address that, that challenge. What would we do? And I had several ideas in mind, but as I started to listen to the what was on the hearts of the people in the class with me. And they were addressing these injustices that we talked about last week. I was moved by my concern for simplicity and for the fact that everyone in the church would know how to participate in this work. So my map actually became telling the story. So um, Jesus, as we heard, was an incredible storyteller, and he did that so that he could connect with people and build relations and motivate people to join the ministry and to mobilize them to get them out and move. So I wanted to create a very simple story 
that would tell the stories of every map of the people that go forward. And so um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen a Hallmark Christmas movie. You don't have to admit it if you have. <laughs> um, I have, which is why I'm telling this story. But realistically, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Right. Boy meets girl. Boy and girl get to know each other over baking Christmas cookies, <laughs> having snowball fights, decorating the Christmas tree, and then a problem happens. They typically have some miscommunication, and by Christmas time, they're back together and, and everything is happy. Well, I wanted to create a common plot for all of our stories so that when people read those stories, they would say, ah. I know what this is. This is getting familiar to me. I know how to read this. And most of all, I know how to participate. So there's a diagram that's going to be up on the screen here. And I wanted to walk you through what the common plot for my, what my map said. So it's every map story has a common plot. So aside from the name of the story, and the name of my story is telling the map story, um, you would know who's leading it, and that would be me, and what my spiritual gift is. And that's just a way to orient us to knowing that we all have gifts. Uh, so every plot has five elements, and the first is the code. Every body of our work is anchored to one of our codes. Mine is you belong. I mean, clearly, I want everybody to see their place in this work. And we also, in our map story, talk about what scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, link to this work. And that's so everyone knows that we're never forgetting that we're rooted in the word. The second element is the problem or the issue. What was on our hearts that we decided to move in this direction? And you'll read the problems on all the maps that you see, and mine is, I just want people to know. I want people to feel like this is about them, that they can do this and they can participate. The next are the action steps. What are you going to do? What is the leader going to do in order to address the problem that's sitting on their heart? The fourth element is the invitation. And this tells you how you can participate in anyone's map story. It will tell what is needed for the leader of that map story, what they, what they need and what kind of help they might want. And some of us learn through classes. Some of us learn through experience, sitting on a team. And some of us actually learn through kind of walking with the person who's leading or an apprenticeship. And you have opportunities to do that in these map stories. And lastly, what's the impact? If I do this work with this leader, what are we expecting to happen as a result? Okay, and what is, what is that? What, are, what do you hope to accomplish by you completing this, but it sounds like others can get involved with yes. this? What are you hoping to accomplish? So first of all, soon you'll see everyone's map stories, and I, I want you to read them so that you can see the passion on the hearts of, of the people that are in our congregation. Second, I want people to get comfortable with the idea that th this, is n this is simple and that we can all do this. And also there's 
terms like torch-bearing and maps and the different um, spiritual gifts that people will start to get um, comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And lastly, I want it to um, light a fire in people to say, this is what I was built for. This is what I should be doing. Right. You have to draw out their purpose to help them reclaim their identity in Jesus as part part of the process as well. That's awesome. And I love that um, nobody told you to do this. Like, this wasn't me or Nathan or the pastors of the staff saying, okay, we've, we've picked out something for you to do. Now you go and do it. This was all you yeah. uh, coming up with this idea, seeing the need uh, in your community. And I think that's the biggest piece for me in being pastoral ministry, uh, being in pastoral ministry, is the expectation that I've got all the answers, that I've got it all figured out for everybody else to go and do their thing. But in a lot of cases, you all might have way better ideas than I could even come up with, Mm -hmm. which is exciting and inspirational to me that this vision can have legs, not just because I'm participating in it, but because we all are participating Mm -hmm. in it in our unique uh, ways as well. I want to just double check. I want to make sure um, you're not a pastor. Nope. You didn't go to seminary. (laughs) Um, you're not some spiritual elite figure that we're not aware Don't. of? I would say I'm, a, I'm a, um, learning every day. Okay. <laughs> so you're humble as well. Um, but what if you make a mistake? Like what if, what if somewhere along the way it doesn't work out or, or somebody's even more confused? Um, what happens if you confuse yourself in your process and you just mm-hmm. feel like, ah, oh, this isn't working? Well, we're going to make mistakes. I mean, we're, we're human. And even, even the best of us, you know, even when we're doing it for all the right reasons, um, things don't work out the way they should sometimes. But we have been given the authority yeah. by Christ. And... I can't let my fear of failure stop me from moving my feet to try. I mean, I think if I fail, I don't think God is disappointed because he knows what's in my heart and he knows what's in my head and he knows what I was trying to do. I think God would be disappointed if I quit. And I think he'd really be disappointed if I didn't try. Yeah, we were talking earlier about the idea that we are Christ's workmanship, right? We're God's workmanship created anew in Christ Jesus yeah. to do the work that he's created for us yes. long ago, yes. even beforehand. So all of us in this room, we're already created for a particular purpose, yes. to be his workmanship, to carry out uh, yeah. a role, to bear the torch yes. of Christ's justice and love. And we're all, we, we all are created in God's image, yeah. and we all have a thumbprint on us from God that says, here's the gifts I gave you. And the beauty is we're all different. And that's where the power comes in because that we can all work together to support one another and move forward for the kingdom. Yeah. Would you do me a favor and pray for all of us as we step into this new vision and begin to participate in it? Certainly. Awesome. God, we thank you. We thank you for all you've ever done for us. You created us in your image as your sons and daughters. Jesus, 
You are the perfect role model for all the spiritual gifts. If we want to know what to do, we only need to look to you and read your word. The Holy Spirit, you live inside of us. You're our advocate. You help inform us and empower us. We are all ready to do your work. After all that you've done for us, it's the least that we can do to move forward for you. So in ignite in us a fire today to reclaim our identities in Jesus and to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. What an awesome message and interview you heard Pastor Jared sit down with Laura and discuss with her some of the ways in which she has begun already to be an active torchbearer and and what that looks like. And we're so excited. And and now, if you haven't listened to the the whole uh, 10-year vision series, you should go back and listen to it. If you have, I hope you're excited about where God is taking this church and what we see him doing and how we're trying to be obedient to where he is leading us. If you want to learn more about being a torchbearer or even begin to do that work yourself, be sure to reach out. We have systems in place like the Life Journey that will help you begin that process and, and more things ahead. So so reach out um, if you have any questions or if you're interested in, in becoming a torchbearer uh, and have more questions about what that what that's going to look like. Um, and more will come out uh, as as we release more and more of this 10-year vision and, and talk about it some more. But we're excited, super excited for what's ahead. If you have anything else you have, you know, going on this week, though, that's tough or that you're struggling with, be sure to reach out. Uh, You belong to God and therefore you belong to this community. And we want you to feel loved and supported, uh, to know that you are loved and supported. So uh, reach out if you need prayer via the Connect card or the Now page, or uh, if you need to support uh, from actual people. We have life groups meeting all over the community that uh, do life together and support each other uh, and share each other's burdens. So reach out. Pastor Al would love to get you connected with one of those, but reach out. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope you're excited. Uh, I hope you begin to see the ways that God is moving this week. Uh, Have a blessed week, and we'll catch up with you soon.